0: Hey this is Robbie Shaw This is Patrick Balsley
1: And I'm Sam Hansen
0: And this is Champagne Problems Where we come together to explore the gray areas of drinking This is a judgment-free zone Where we can all take a look at how we make decisions About our relationship with alcohol I am very excited to have you two here with me. Oh, um, I, oh, I know, I know. I haven't even known you that long, oh. and I'm that excited. And you still
1: wanted me that here.
0: Excited. My goodness. Uh, Patrick has been kind of a new relationship in my life. We were introduced through mutual friends, and we became buds, you know, right away. Just, I've known you just, for a long just, time. So oh, cute. We've known each other for forever, even though we haven't.
1: They even ride together to the studio. Uh, we do.
0: We we. <laughs> that was forced. We kind of finger locked on the way here. Uh, he was calming my nerves. This has been this has been something on my mind for for years now, and uh, it it morphed into a podcast as opposed to you know other ways of of getting or researching and getting this information out there. But I would like to hear your takes on this project. I, I I have personally, but let's let's let the listeners hear it.
1: I don't even know where to start. I get so excited talking about this stuff. It's I mean obviously this is the field that I'm in. I'm an addiction specialist. I love it. This conversation's so different than the one that I have every day. The conversation I have every day is severe substance use disorder, you belong in treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, once once a pickle never to be a cucumber again. Cannot drink successfully. <laughs> Let's figure out how to do abstinence. And this is such a different conversation. This is where I even get to dig in and do some of my own revisiting personal exploration with alcohol use, taking a look at all that. But I think just growing up in a totally different culture and seeing how it's exposed in different cultures, knowing all of the factual scientific neuro stuff around how alcohol works on the brain, works in the body, And still feeling like it's an awkward conversation to talk about, do you drink, do you not drink, why do you choose to drink, and where there's kind of resistance or a rub with people around that conversation. So I'm, everything from cultural issues to women's issues to some of the benefits, like why we actually use alcohol, I'm just pumped, I love talking about this stuff, this is what we talk about in our group chat anyway, so to be able to do it for our listeners is just super neat. Um and Patrick I know this is a conversation that we have had for a while what what why this project for you
2: I I got so fired up when Robbie told me what he was doing um and originally how this started was you know you, you and I Robbie were having a conversation and you asked me originally if I'd be interested in being a guest if you did something like this That's right. and then right. Robbie a called little, me little like old guest. And Robbie called me 2 hours later he was like you want to co-host this thing with me? <laughs> Sounds
1: really familiar. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, and
2: at first, I like didn't even like because I, you know, I'm, I'm busy, and it didn't even like really register about what this would look like, and it was almost like this. I had this like intuitive, like yes, you know, and yeah, it, it, yeah. yeah, but it wasn't, you know, most everything else like this involved in my life because this is like kind of a big deal for me I mean this is a a big time investment there's a lot of things that go into this and I didn't even think about that like none of that crossed my mind it was just this emphatic like yeah absolutely and as this thing has kind of taken form and become a life of its own uh, I I just I get more and more excited every every time we talk about this or throw around ideas or meet new people or talk about guests and I'm more excited about learning and seeing what unfolds out of this Mm -hmm. than I am about anything else yeah and I think it's so cool that like our friendships have been developing through this and all three of us have not really known each other that long Mm -hmm. and we're able to get close over this conversation Mm -hmm. um yeah because it's something that's so meaningful to all three of us.
0: It is. It's like founded in
2: passion. And yeah. it just
0: brings us, you know, we, we, we've we just filtered through anything else. And it just, this has br- brought us <laughs> together, yeah. you know, without having to go through what it takes to be friends. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's our common space. Yeah. But I, it's, high fives. High fives. So many high fives. I think it's so <laughs> neat that we all have totally different experiences and journeys with alcohol, too. You know, there's the expertise, for sure. There's the guests. Awesome, because we get to learn new stuff. We get to hear it differently. We get to grow. But then there's also this piece of, like, we all have a different Thing. We all have a different angle to contribute to this conversation, yeah. And just how does that round out, you know, the the kind of spectrum of alcohol use, and really just being willing to discuss openly. I mean, we know none of what we share is unsafe for us to share, right? Because we've been trained out of doing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like we're all going to share from personal experiences, and all of those things are th- are journeys that we've gotten through that we are now in a good place with and feel more than comfortable sharing, hopefully to normalize some of the conversation, hopefully to present it in a way that's non-shaming. And one of the commitments that I can make is like just being able to bring some laughter to it. Some of this stuff is funny. Oh
0: my God. Some
1: of the stuff that we've done is real dumb, you know, and, and some of the conversation has to be lighthearted and it's not about shame, it's not about blame, it's not about looking at the ways that we've done it wrong, it's just about having the information, having the tools, and making an informed decision for yourself. You may choose to have a relationship with alcohol. I do. Yeah, exactly. But I have to be willing to look at that relationship like I would be any other. Right. So it's super neat.
0: Well, Um, and that's just like, you know, there's such a, the public view of this topic has such a you know, overlying kind of title and you, and you just kind of thrown into this category when the fact is it's all individual. It's an individual journey. We're Mm -hmm. all on our own journey. We're all trying to figure things out. We all have different relationships. We all have different motivators, you know, and, and, and to your point, Sam, you know, we all come from a different place on on this topic, which hopefully we'll relay to our listeners, you know, in in a, in a more uh, wide span, yeah. Uh, appeal, you know. Hopefully, we'll be able to uh, relate to to many different people coming from many different
2: places, because that's that's the fact of of the relationship with alcohol. It's it's an individual thing. Yeah, I mean, I one of the biggest contributing factors and how it falls in line with my career path and passion in general around these topics is that I started drinking alcohol at age twelve or thirteen. Mm everybody or not not only did i not have access to any of this information or none of it was coming into my awareness there were no angles where this was coming into my awareness the, this this these topics were not commonly talked about in my family circle mm-hmm. my friends family circle Anybody that I knew, not even in the medical community, in my primary care doctor. I mean, it it was like there was no screening. There was no, I mean, there were days when I went into my primary care physician's office to get a physical Mm -hmm. where I was either intoxicated or I was hungover. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there were all these different areas of my life that were affected by my drinking that, you know, weren't explored. Mm -hmm. The thing that drives my passion around these conversations is that I just hope that one person hears what we're talking about, it enables them to at least, you know, start to start having an honest conversation with themselves or with a loved one. Yeah, about, an open mind. Yeah, right? uh, yeah, about their relationship to alcohol.
1: When you say all that it just sounds so lonely and quiet <laughs> well, it's and like, sad. Yeah, <laughs> and Robbie's laughing at you. But but the the whole point is to just like, ah, oh, let's talk about it.
0: Yeah. Can yeah. We talk about yeah. it, you yeah, know, yeah. and
1: and you know, what if what if your doctor had asked like, "Hey, you kind of smell like alcohol. Like yeah. you've been drinking." And you know, the thought is, if you talk to a 13-year-old about drinking, like you're probably going to make them start drinking. Right. I mean, <laughs> like, they're, then they're probably going to get the idea. But it's like if
0: you do it in pro- Yeah. What I, if
1: it's just <laughs> information? Well, I, I gotta so, tell
2: a quick story. Go ahead. Thirteen years old, summer after eighth grade. There's like five or six of us that always used to drink beer together and stay at this one person's house. No names. My, yeah. No, no names. names. No <laughs> names. I was the youngest kid. And probably the short was the second youngest kid in my class, probably the you know, top three shortest kids in my class. And, you know, we're twelve, thirteen years old, eighth graders, rising ninth graders, and did you say top three shortest? Yes. Okay. Top three shortest. Like, I got it. Come on, you got it can't be that bad. Bottom three. Yeah. That would be bottom three tallest. It was the top three shortest. That's how. Okay, just leave me alone. Very
1: important detail. Just
2: leave me alone. All right, we it's like six thirty on a Friday night, and we've been drinking beer since three o'clock. You know, and back then it took two or three beers to get. I was like, you know, four foot ten, you know, seventy five pounds. Three (laughs) three beers in that, and I'm trashed. I can relate. And yeah. (laughs) This mom, who I mean, she didn't know that we were drinking, and I I don't know how, but like, she'd pack us into her station wagon and take us to Blockbuster Video. Yes. And I just look back on this, and I'm like, could you? Well, I mean, imagining yourself being in a Blockbuster Video is one thing, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) could you imagine walking into a Blockbuster Video and seeing a group of six eighth graders like hammered? (laughs) <laughs> and just it, i mean i i i think it about that it would be that. so obvious yeah i mean i i don't see that today often i think about how crazy that was and what i would feel like if i saw that something like that today is just like yeah
1: knowing what you know yeah that was not shared back then yeah yeah
0: that makes me you know think about what i want the listeners to get a, get out of this and and obviously that is a uh you know something we we have to think about as as podcast creators, but my idea around that is very much similar to yours, obviously. But it's it's you know we are so programmed to think certain ways about alcohol and and have have been programmed that way for a long time uh, that to to the point of everything you both just said, there's this discomfort in talking about it there is an avoidance in talking about it in all areas going to the doctor going to blockbuster uh, speaking to uh, clients I mean it's just it's it, there's an avoidance in it so what led me to this place and and wanting to create this podcast and and my experience with alcohol obviously it was a a, a long one that ended pretty severely but you know, the, the, the core of it is is really kind of how it began. And I think that's the important aspect of, of how, how problematic drinking a lot of times um, is, you know, the seed is planted. I had a genetic piece. Um, I grew up in a household riddled with alcoholism. Um, when I was a child, we had uh, some tragic car crashes in our family uh, one in my immediate family that killed an individual and then one uh, that was my cousin who passed away in a car, uh, drinking and driving car crash and this was all before I started drinking so that led me to make the 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 stance and the and the declaration that I would never drink mm-hmm. would never touch alcohol because it had killed two people in my in my you know, life. And I also, you know, watch, uh, you know, my father drink pretty heavily, his picked up a lot later, but uh, early on it was absolutely there and and there was a, a an identifiable level of dysfunction. Um, and so all of a sudden, you know, fast forward maybe a year and a half and I was experimenting with alcohol after really, really making a pretty heavy stance that I would never touch it. Uh, very, very, very soon after I was drinking. And I never stopped. That was sixth grade. It was the first time I ever snuck alcohol was uh, in sixth grade on some bikes with some friends. Um, and then seventh grade, even a bigger you know, experiment where I got almost deathly ill, mm. had my mom come pick me up from a friend's house. And there is absolutely no way she did not smell it on me. Yeah. I, I mean, I had puked for three hours and then had to call... My mother to pick me up at one o'clock in the morning, and go home uh, because I was sick. There's no way I didn't smell like mint schnapps. <laughs> I mean, it was see- it was in my hair. Gross. So <clears throat> anyway, so oh, then you know, Robbie. and and then you know, then a month later, uh, same thing. Two months later, same thing. And then all of a sudden, I am a very very consistent drinker. I am I am in the drinking crowd.
1: You're reliable.
0: Uh, If you need some, if somebody needed a drinker, I'm there. (laughs) And I mean, I have tens of thousands of stories. And then, of course, through high school, I, I fairly held it all together. I mean, I never really got in trouble, got busted a couple times, but talked my way out of it, lied my way out of it. You know, nobody ever believed I had an issue because I was a basketball player. I had decent grades. I was popular. I was a jock. You know, all those things that on the external looked looked great. Looked like I had nothing going on when I was drinking like a fish. And my, I remember in high school playing basketball and my dad asking me why I sweat so much on the mm-hmm. basketball court, and I was like, it's because <laughs> I, I was out to four o'clock last night.
1: <laughs> I'm playing so hard. Oh man, I was harder than anyone. Going
0: so hard, right? Exactly. And 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 it just speaks to all the. You know the denial and the avoidance and the and the normalization. You know it just it is just a part of our lives. And and even if he knew it was alcohol, which I'm sure he did, it wasn't that big of a deal. You know his sons in high yeah. school, he drinks, people drink, that's yeah. what we do. But the problem is what it led to. You know, and it just progressed and progressed and progressed. And 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 that therein lies the issue. You know, we don't know what the risks are for every single person. We just don't know. So what I would like the audience to get out of this is it really boils down to just an overabundance of information. Mm -hmm. You know, you just can't have too much and there is a lot out there and it's hard to find, it's brushed under rugs, it is, uh, Mm misdelivered, you know, it's inaccurate. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's, that's what the goal of Champagne Problems is, is to inform our listeners with factual information, so they can make rational decisions for their wellness.
1: I love hearing kind of why you guys are both here. I think it it just provides that common space for why we join in this room together, why we join on group chat, and. I think one of the things for me that's important is obviously the professional disclosures. So I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I'm a licensed clinical addiction specialist. And I bring that expertise with me to this conversation, but it doesn't lead this conversation. Um, For me, this is a place for me to land and explore with you guys. Because I grew up in a household with substance use and some of it was problematic and some of it wasn't. Some of it was totally low risk, quote unquote, normal drinking. Some of it was hard drug use. And I have also experienced my own journey of exploring, evaluating, determining the best relationship that I can have with alcohol and just hoping to normalize some of that conversation or some of that process. You know, for me, it looked like removing the autopilot around drinking the way I thought that everyone else drank around me or the way that I thought that you were supposed to drink. And certainly there's cultural components to that. Certainly there's some family components. But I think the biggest kind of takeaway that I have had from conversations with you all that are outside of our field are much more about critical thinking, information, wellness, and... And just an honest safe place to go why do I do what I do what does this look like for me what could it look like if I altered it a little bit what could it look like if I removed it and it bringing that conversation to our listeners really excites me because any decision I've made from a much more informed place has gone a little better than the others. So I think, you know, these, these are conversations we have all the time about what are you drinking tonight, but bringing way more intention to that conversation, making sure that it's not shaming, you know, and and also making sure that we pull ourselves out of Our day to day practice, which is so much more on the severe end of a substance use disorder spectrum. And we talk so much more about everyday drinking. Normal people, the normies, right? That do Mm -hmm. drink, that do choose to drink, that choose not to drink. Why? What are the factors? What is problematic? What's involved in problematic? If it's not problematic, is it safe? Like, I get fired up about those conversations, especially now. you know, 2021, when we're all taking a look at like, how do I get back on track with wellness now that things have derailed so much? Mm -hmm. This is a vital part of that conversation. And I feel like it's good timing to just include it and shine a little light on it. So Mm. I'm pumped to be here.
0: Mm. Love it, Sam. Thank you. (laughs) So just a disclaimer for our listeners, uh, we are going to crack jokes throughout this entire podcast. This is, we understand, because we are professionals, a touchy subject, an intense subject, sometimes a scary and saddening subject. But as with most struggle in life, we think being somewhat lighthearted at the right time (laughs) Is appropriate. (laughs) Not only appropriate, but healthy. And that's going to be our stance throughout this entire podcast. We hope you'll laugh along with us when we're laughing. We'll hope you cry when we cry. (laughs) Thank you. I'm going to laugh
2: when you cry.